Vision is so important. When we understand what vision is and we capture that essence of what vision is for us and for our lives, it's going to make a world of difference for all of us, people of God. And, uh -huh. and not only for us that are under the sound of my voice, but for all of those, but, but in the lives of all of those people around you as well. And that's what it is. Good quality of life. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So you're having good vision and having that quality of life, having abundant life, knowing Jesus is our Lord and Savior makes all the difference for us in the world. But then the alternative to having no vision at all in your life really is not a pretty picture. So here we are at the text on this morning, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, and we know it by the people perish. But then this is what it says in the Message Bible translation. It says that if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. Being a hearer of the word, it should be our priority. But being a doer of the word should be our priority as well. So as we look here in this verse here, the main point of this verse it, 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 it is this. And it's going to, I'm going to reiterate that throughout the message here today. So what is that main point? So the main point is if you don't have a clear picture, people of God, of where you're headed, the likelihood of a successful venture is improbable. Remember way back when we had a very long series, just several years, not years, but years ago, and the title of that message was A Prosperous Journey. So don't allow that, 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 that word, don't allow that to be negated or even diminished or even diluted in your own life. Because God said in his word that he has already given us everything that pertain, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So that means every day should be a prosperous journey for us as people of God. But if you aren't clear where you're going, then the probability of you having a successful journey, excuse me, is going to be severely limited. And even a lack of clarity in, 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 in direction for our lives will result in confusion and weariness and lack of zeal for our lives. Just like when you go to work and you say, well, what am I supposed to do? We, we're here on this team and, and who's leading the team? Who has the assignment? Who can impart to me what we're supposed to be doing? And if, if you don't have those directions, then it's going to lead to confusion. So what is vision? The scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish. So what is vision? Vision is the God-given ability for creating a mental picture in order to process 
the present and help you to proceed to a preferred future. All right, now I'm going to say it to you again a little bit, okay? All right, vision is the God-given ability for creating a mental picture in order for you to process the present, the present and proceed to the preferred future. All right, so let me just sum that up then now. So, so, so vision really is a picture in your mind. Vision is a picture in your mind's eye of the way things could be or should be in your life and in the days ahead. I've found this out in a very short time here on the earth that, uh, uh, you know, vision should be a picture that becomes internalized and personal. Now, we all have personal visions. Your personal vision may be different than my personal vision, but we all do have visions. Even if you don't have a vision, you have a vision. It is my belief that our dreams, our ability to dream and to imagine and to be creative is a God-given gift. I, that, that's my personal opinion here now. It's a God-given gift that's been given to us by God, and we have dreams, and, and, and we imagine things, and, 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 and we see things. You know, uh, that gift is given by God himself. But I've also observed this, that some folks just don't exercise it like they're supposed to. They don't exercise that God-given gift of being able to dream and imagine and see things as God presents them to them. We were all were children at one point, were we not? All right, all right. And children have imaginations. So how do children really, how do they exercise their creativity? Well, so, so what do children do with your boxes after Christmas? All those fancy boxes and all, what do they do then? And here you are. You're standing in, 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 in the midst of, of your knee-deep in, in, in Christmas wrapping and Christmas ribbons and bows and, and, and boxes that have been opened and all of that, and you're just saying, I can't believe this. I spent all this money on presents. And then what do these kids do? They take all of these empty boxes and they make a nice neat fort out of them. Why did they do that? Because they can have a vision of a fort in that pile of boxes where all you see is money, you know, just, just going up the chimney, if you will. Let me talk about me for a minute. When I, was a, when I was a child, when I was a kid, I loved mashed potatoes. In fact, I still love mashed potatoes. And I had a really vivid imagination about things. And I could, whenever it was dinner time, my mother, my mother was making mashed potatoes and there was this 
big pile of mashed potatoes on my plate. I could see this highway in the middle of my plate of mashed potatoes and gravy. And, 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 and you know, it was just, they were mashed potatoes for you, but it was like this highway that ran right down the middle. Super Lane Highway, right down the middle of my plate of mashed potatoes. And then we had this big tree in the backyard and, 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 and it would give off fruit and, you know, and then on the other side of our fence, there was another tree that would, 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 uh, would bear peaches and there were some other things and all of that. And whenever I went out in my backyard because of my vivid imagination, I could see Disneyland and I could see Mount Everest right there in our backyard. Imagination, huh? You know, you could look at a, pre, uh, 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 a tree branch and, you know, you could pick it up and, you know, think it's a hobby horse and ride it around the cul-de-sac. You know, or you made a, a, a scooter out of a, a, a skate in a, in, a, in a soda box or a milk crate or something. And we'd ride it and, you know, we thought we had a hot rod riding down the street, you know, and all of those kinds of things. Children have vivid imaginations. We had vivid imaginations when we grew up, until we grew up. But then we grew up and we forgot about how to use the creativity and the imagination that God gave us. You know, people of God, God gave us creativity and imagination to use for good. And a vision to me is something that really is extremely good. It's not only good and extremely good, but I believe vision is most necessary for us as people of God. And it's essential for you and for me to do with our life what God wants us to do with it. And let me, let me be clear, if you will, on this point. God never intended you to live life accidentally or incidentally. It was meant to be lived with purpose, with intentionality, and with vision. I'm going to say that again. We're not uh, uh, videoing on this morning, but we're recording. God has given each of us the ability to create a clear mental picture in our mind in order to process the present and proceed into the preferred future that he prepared for us from the foundation of the world. God's vision uh, is bigger than you can see. Thank God for that. God can see far over and above all that we can see as well. And I want to encourage you this morning and I want to tell you that God's vision for you and for our lives is bigger than it appears right now. And the reality of all of that is, we're coming this morning, huh? Uh, the reality of that is what God desires to bring to pass in your life, people of God, is so much bigger than you can even imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, that should not come as news to you. Amen, Pastor Dora, amen, 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 amen. Did you ever take your hand or your finger and, and cover up an object that you could see in the distance? Oh, you have it, but I have vivid imagination. Try this. 
You go out one night, don't do it with the sun, but go out one, one, one evening when, when the sky is clear and, and the moon is yellow and it looks like the stars are tumbling down. Just take and reach your hand up and put your thumb up and hold it up in front of the moon and see if your thumb or even your little baby finger or your index finger, if that blocks out the sun. When you do that, you'll realize something. You'll realize something. And then you'll be able to, to see things that what they really were meant to be. You have the power to control them and to block those things out. Taking my thumb right now and I'm holding it up and I'm blocking out that clock back there. <laughs> what God sees for your life is so much bigger and better than what you can see right now. Let me give an illustration of that. And we all know that this earth in which we live, that in, it's big, is it not? It's big, it bigs. And it takes days for us to drive from New Jersey to California, or even to Phoenix, Arizona. How much time does it take to drive from, from, from New Jersey, Philadelphia, to Phoenix, Arizona? Well, if you don't take your foot off the brake, off the gas, it'll take you roughly uh, uh, 54 hours, 2,200 miles to do that. Anybody ever here done that? Amen. Hallelujah. A few times. Praise God. Yeah. So it takes days to drive from uh, New Jersey to California or even Arizona. And it takes days of the jumbo jet to get to the other side of the earth. But did you know that the earth is microscopic in size compared to some of those stars that are out there in space? This is not a lesson. We're not at the uh, Smithsonian Institute or the Planetarium. For example, did you know, uh, do you know how many Earths can fit into the sun? Ever think about that? Yeah, he's not in here. I know. Well, this is a conversation. I picked his brain. I called him up and said, dude, you got to give me something to help me out here. You need to verify these facts. How many Earths can fit into the sun? 1.3 million Earths can fit into the sun. 1.3 million. So there is this really big star out there in space and it's, it's named Canis Majoris. And that is one billion times the size of the sun. You know about that? You ever heard of it? Drax knows that, right? Well, there you go, huh? Yeah. So that means, that, listen to this, that means that over 3.7 quadrillion Earths could fit into this star Canis Majoris. 3.7 quadrillion. That's more than a million. It's more than a billion. It's more than a trillion. It's quadrupled that quadrillion. But yet... If you stood out there and you took your finger, your thumb, and held it up, you would be able to cover it up with the tip of your finger. We serve a God uh, who is so big and he's calling us into bigger things in him. 
So what does that mean, people of God? That means we can't settle for the here and the now. We can't settle for less than what God has already prepared for us. And I'm talking about God's vision for you. Amen. If I didn't give the title of that on this morning. As we heard and, you know, you know, people have just, when we, 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 we come to a place and we say, enough is enough. I've had enough. And then we began to fight back and we began to stand up and take our rightful place. Understand who we are in Christ and we take our rightful place. We submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil and he will flee from us. Yes. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Yes. So just don't settle for that here and now. Don't just settle for that is this all there is mentality. Things are not always what they look like, people of God. Things are not as they always appear. God's vision and God's intention for our lives is so much bigger than you could ever imagine. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Hallelujah. We know it by heart. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And let me read 21 to you as well. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Now unto him, or now to him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's why I am so confident this morning, people of God, in saying that the vision that he has for your life doesn't include even just you. There are a whole lot of folks that's just for me and not for thee. But we have to adopt at times in our lives, not only it's for me, but it is for thee as well. It's for we. Yeah. God's vision is way too big for us to just include us, people of God. The vision that he has for us includes all of those things that for us so that we can reach and touch people for the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom, people of God. It's about God's vision for us and how we can impact the world for Jesus. The kingdom is all about the rule of King Jesus and how he desires that we would carry out his desires in the earth. And he desires that we would be living in victory and not in defeat. Hallelujah. Yeah, glory be to God. If you were to look in the mirror, what would you see in that mirror? Would you see a woe is me person? Would you see a victim? Or would you see a victor? If you see a victory, ultimately you will have victory in your life. God's vision will always bring victory. Look at Judges chapter two. The book of Judges chapter two, excuse me, Judges chapter seven, verse two through verse seven. And let me read that for you as well. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me. 
to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, Mine own hands have saved me. Verse 3, Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Remember these numbers. But the, the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. Verse 5. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by yourself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Now, as I was reading and studying this scripture, there was something that I noticed and jumped out to me here is that first of all, we can't ever be victorious people of God if you're gonna be fearful. You can't be fearful and, and expect to be victorious at the same time. And if we are going to carry out God's vision for our lives, we cannot live in fear. You cannot live in fear, people of God. And I know the enemy has tried it with all of us. So fear, in effect, has got to flee. When you tell it to go, it must go. Now here's those numbers that I want you to, that I said I wanted you to remember this number. So of those 32,000 men who were in Gideon's army, 22,000 of them got sent home because they were afraid and they were scared. They were full of fear. And the scripture tells us then that that left Gideon 10,000 men. And then 9,700 of those 10,000 were sent home for one reason. What was that reason? Because they were selfish. Have you ever gotten sent to your room at home when you were a child because you were selfish and you didn't want to share with your siblings? <laughs> well, so of that 9,700 out of the 10,000, uh-huh, 97 of them, 100 of them got sent home because they were selfish. But those that got down on their knees and drank water were only concerned, they were the ones who were now only concerned about their thirst. They were only concerned with their own needs. So they saw this water and they longed to have some of that to satisfy their own thirst. One of the things that really irks me in life is that somebody will go get something and come back and sit down and eat it and not say, well, can I get you anything? I'm on my way to the store. You know, I'm on my way over here. Listen, I'm going to be stopping by. Just call to see if you needed anything. If you need something, I'll pick you something up, you know, and bring it back. for you. Or just pick something up, you know, and bring it back for them anyway. Rather than just going out and getting it, coming back, sitting down and eating. There are a whole lot of folk in life like that in this world. It's only about them. So some of them were only concerned about their own needs. 
They saw the water and they longed for it and they wanted it. They wanted to have some of it to satisfy their own thirst. See, people like that, and these people, they could only see their own struggles and what they were going through. Although all they could focus on was their own individual lives. But then there were 300 men of that 10,000, 9,700 of them got sent home because of their selfishness. That left the 300 left. And it was those 300 men who put their hand to their mouths. They weren't just concerned about their own needs. They had the eyes and the vision to look out for more than themselves. They had hearts. They had hearts for people. And in effect, what they were saying was, let me keep a watch because Gideon might need us and we have to be ready. So in, instead of them getting down there and just putting their face in the drinking, they got down on their knees and they took their hands and they watched and they prayed as they were drinking. Right. It is in those times when you are just so all consumed with your me-isms in life, it's when the enemy will come upon you and try to overtake you when you are in those woe is me moments in your life. So those 300 men who, who, who said, look, I'm just going to stick my hand and drink this water and I'm going to be watchful and prayerful because I don't know when Gideon might need us and we've got to be ready for that. So what those 300 men were saying is if we are going to win this battle, we need to be positioned to look out for other people because we need each other and we are all in this together, people of God. We need each other. We're all in this together. And if we're all in this together, people of God, I want you to know that God wants us to begin to see things the way that he sees them for our lives. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search RWOLFC in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events.